Amen. 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 Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. 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 If you, like the old folks used to say, if you didn't feel anything there, your wood's wet. Amen. 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 If you bow your head with me here this morning, let's pray and continue in this service this morning. Good to feel the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, But we are like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Heavenly Father, God, it is so awesome to be in your house this morning. Such an awesome, awesome privilege, God, to honor you and to praise you and to glorify you, Lord. Just to lift our voices with one accord, God, to praise and honor and glory to you, who is responsible for all things, who is the great I am, the only true and living God today. We just worship you and honor you and thank you in this place today. Father, as we dive into your word today, I pray, God, that something will be said here today. God, that will lift our spirits, God. God, that it would encourage us and bring us that joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I pray, God, that it would also challenge each one of us, Lord, to live lives that are pleasing to you, God. Live a, a righteous life to the best of our ability. Lord, again, that it would bring much honor to your great name. We pray today, Lord, once again, that you would just continue to bless us with your presence, not only in this sanctuary, God, but back with our children, Lord, and their teachers. God, we just pray a double portion of your blessing upon each one of us today, for it's in Jesus, your Son, and our soon-returning King and Savior. We ask all of these things, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Give Him another hand clap of praise while you take your seat. Amen. Man, it is good to be in the house of God. Amen. Isn't it awesome? Good to see each one of you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to see you here today. Any of you that are visitors with us the very first time, we just want to say it another time. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. We are super excited that you're here. Super excited all of you are here. Very excited today because, you know, we've been on a roll lately with baptisms and baby dedications and new church members, and we're going to take in a new church member today. Amen. Yeah. That awesome? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Next week, we got a baptism. Isn't that great? Yeah. Brother Michael Walker is going to be baptized again to the Lord. Amen? Yes. Amen. Y'all prayed that me and Brother Keith don't flood the sanctuary again. Is that right? We baptized this church. We did. In the name of Jesus and everybody else. It was all over the place. But man, we're looking forward to it. Brother Jeff is going to be joining our church again and just so excited about that. And, and uh, just been fun to watch Brother Jeff grow in the Lord. Been just a blessing to our church. Uh, you know, Jesus is our front line of defense, and Brother Jeff, and, and Brother Valentine, and Brother Nate, and Brother Ryan, and Brother Devin, and, and Brother Forrest Crow, and some of these, they're the second line of defense. These are all law officers, so we got Jesus, and we got them. Amen? That ain't good? Amen. 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 So we're glad to have them here today. Um, again, if you have your Bible, want to go with, to uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, with us today. It's where we're going to be. Luke, chapter 15, verse 11 is where we're going to start. We'll end up wherever God takes us. Is that okay? And we will dismiss our young people right now, too. I almost forgot that. Yep, anybody that hasn't left the building, if you guys are ready to go back, yep. I think some of them's already went back, but those of you that haven't went back will dismiss them and their teachers. So what I read to you in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, this is the word of God to Isaiah, to the children of Israel, and to you and I today. He just reminds us 
that we are flawed. Amen. Look at every say, he's talking about you. And me. We're all flawed. Now, some of y'all, that hurt your feelings. I know. I know because, you know, we're all told by mamas and daddies and grandparents that you are perfect and that you are little angels. Y'all ever said that to your children? Yeah. And then when they get out in the community and they do something, you're like, that can't be my child. Is that right? Is that right? Because they're perfect. Little angels, they just smell so sweet and all those things. We like to tell everybody, we like to think that we're, we're perfect and we're beautiful and we're not flawed, right? And we spend a lot of money making sure that we're perfect and beautiful and not flawed. Amen, somebody? I did a study on that one time. I can't remember how many millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, people in the United States spend on their beauty. Tons. So we also, we're not only flawed, we're also very, very, very vain. <laughs> Amen? So, uh, but flawed. Isaiah here was reminding the children of Israel of their flaws, not to say that they weren't good people, but just to remind them that God was God, amen, and that we're not. So he says to them, but we are like an unclean thing. He starts it out with that. Could you imagine the children of Israel? Listen to Isaiah. As he looked at them and said, everyone, y'all stank. Y'all are unclean, right? And all, all our righteousness, Isaiah went on to say, are like filthy rags compared to whose? God's, Amen. Because he is perfect. And we live in sinful bodies, fleshly bodies, because of Uncle Adam and Eve. Is that right? We all fade as the leaf, it says, and our iniquities, meaning our sins, like the wind, have taken us away. Right? Taken us away from what? Away from God. Away from God's plans. The closer you get to God, the cleaner that you get. Is that right? At kids, you know, when you was a kid, if you was like me, the, the closer my mother pushed me toward the, the tub the closer I was to cleanliness. Now, it was a battle, I can assure you, when I was a kid. I was like a cat. Anybody try to throw a cat in water and bathe them? That was me. Right? When it was time to come in, I had things to do. I didn't have time for no bath. Is that right? Ain't nobody got time for that, right? Ain't nobody got time for a bath. But the closer that you get to God, the closer you are to cleanliness, right? I always tell people, right, if you, if you fill your life up with more of God, there's less room for Satan to get in there, right? Definitely. So that's good advice. Continue to... Pour into your life godly things and you'll have less trouble with the enemy, right? Like that old fellow said one time, if you give him an inch, you'll make him a ruler. Yeah. It's very, very true. So Isaiah starts this off and he's beginning to talk to the children of Israel and that's the title of the message today. I got an illustration for you to kind of explain what flaws, what a flaw really is and, and then how God sees flaws, okay? How the world sees it and how God sees it. But let me give you the definition of flawed. It simply means having a defect or imperfection, containing mistakes. You ever made a mistake? Right, you ever made a mistake? We say in the spiritual world we call those sins, right? But in the earthly world we call them mistakes. And that's the very definition. Just somebody that has defects or somebody that's Im imperfect and containing mistakes. When I was a kid, I hate to admit this, but I used to pick on somebody one time because I thought they weren't like me. You ever done that? Don't raise your hand. I'll, I'll be the only bad person in the room. But you pick on people sometimes because they don't, they don't match up to your standards. You see them as having imperfections. I've also been picked on because I had imperfections, right? For instance, I have no rear end. That's, no, that's not a secret to y'all, right? Absolutely none. I'm going to go a little further and say I just have a hole in the back. That's it, okay? I also have, I'm deformed, right? So nothing here, it's all up here. Is that right? So I have a bubble. I'm very, very, very level. My bubble's in the middle. 
And I have moves. Moves. Man, moves. Okay? So when you look at me, I am imperfect in the eyes of Calvin Klein. Is that right? I would not be the best model, Brother Jeff. I would not be the one that they're looking at saying, we got to sign this guy to a contract. Okay? I'm, I'm not him at all. Okay? So I have defects. I have imperfections as the world sees it. And I've also made a lot of mistakes in my life. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. A lot of mistakes in my life. My wife's made a lot of mistakes in her life. She married me, first of all. Right? <clears throat> but that's the better part of me. Right? So now I'm, I feel a little better since she's in my life. But I've made a lot of mistakes. I thought that'd get a little bit more. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's right. She's going to buy lunch today. She said she wasn't. She will now. So I'm, I have a lot of imperfections and, and defects, and I have, I have made mistakes in my life. And I would venture to say, if I was to ask each one of you today to stand up and give us one imperfection in your life, I think most of us could do that. Is that right? Now, just one. But we'd be here all day because we all think we've got a bunch of imperfections. We've all made mistakes, right? Every one of us have done those things. So the children of Israel are no different in the book of Isaiah, nor is it any different in the story I'm going to read you here in just a minute. But again, just to give you an illustration of, of what a flaw looks like, how the world sees flaws, but then what God can do with a flaw, okay? God specializes in your flaws and in my flaws. He don't want us to have flaws. It's not His will that we go out and make mistakes. Now, hear me correctly. God does not want us imperfect. He wants us perfect because He made us perfect, right? The Bible tells us that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. Is that right? Yeah. Perfect. But because of our imperfections... We make mistakes and we are all flawed. That's why the Bible says that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, right? Every one of us in this room, we were born into sin. Okay, so it's just in our nature. It's in, it's in our DNA. It's in the, flesh, the fleshly nature of a man. Not the spiritual nature, but the fleshly nature. But again, we see him as flaws. God specializes in turning flaws into something beautiful. We're all familiar with the Liberty Bell. We just celebrated the independence right, of our nation. Right? We just celebrated a few days ago. The Liberty Bell was cast and commissioned in 1752 when I was just a little boy and was originally used to summon lawmakers in legislative sessions and to alert citizens about public meetings and proclamations that may be given. That's why the bell was commissioned. That's why it was made. You know, Back then they didn't have text messages and cell phones, right? They didn't have the Internet to shoot an email out to all the legislators or lawmakers. They didn't have the things that we have today to let us know about proclamations and announcements that are happening in your town, so they would ring the bell, and then everybody would run up to town square there, and then they would tell them what they needed to know, or the lawmakers would go in and do whatever lawmakers do. Okay, so it developed its crack shortly after its arrival in Philadelphia in the early 1800s, so it was used many, many times. It was cast and it was made in Pennsylvania, but used in another area, Okay, in another town in Pennsylvania up until this point. When it was moved to Philadelphia, this is when it, when it, when it, um, it, when it took on its, its famed crack that you and I know today in the 1800s. Typically, bells that were cracked or deemed unfit for use, they were melted down and recast into other bells or other things. Okay? That said, the Liberty Bell that you and I know today remains to this day an exception to the rule. It has become an iconic symbol of American power and independence. Amen? 
So that bell that you see right there is worthless as it pertains to being used to alert anybody of anything because it has a, a defect in it. If you were to ring that bell, it's not going to sound real good. It would sound like Pastor Keith and me singing by ourselves up here. Amen? It, it, would, be, it would not sound in tune. Let me say it that way. So this, this, this bell generated a hairline crack in the early 1800s, and since that time, it has cracked to where you and I see it today, and they've placed things in it to stop the crack from going any further. So as the world sees that bell, anybody outside the United States sees that bell, they see something that is flawed. And if that is a representation of our great nation, which it possibly could be more real, reality now than before, I guess, but if you were to look at that and look at that as, as in another country looking at it saying, this is your symbol of power and strength, well, number one, it's been retired. It's not even being used anymore, right? So something that's been retired or something that's not being used anymore, we typically deem it as worthless, isn't that right? And again, it's usually discarded. So people in other parts of the world would see that and think, that's your strength and power? The second thing they would think of is that crack that's in it. They'd say, well, it didn't even, even if it was going to be used for something, it can't be used for it. So I would see your nation as old and washed up and having no power. Is that right? That's what you would think if you were in any other part of this world, and a lot of them probably do still think that. But to you and I, or to most Americans, some Americans today, that still is a symbol of independence and freedom and power. Amen. Amen. And a lot of people in this country wouldn't do this, but there's still some in this country that would, that would stand up and give their lives for that Liberty Bell, that flag, the people, because not the Liberty Bell and the flag, but the people that it represents. Amen. Is that right? Praise God. That's running through our veins. Red, white, and blue. Is that right? Amen. America, as they say. America. Running through our veins. We see it as a symbol of independence and power. Others see it as weakness because it is flawed. Is that right? And that's the message today that I want to talk to you about. Go with me, if you will, to Luke's, Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, as I mentioned to you earlier. We'll start at verse 11, we'll read through 24, and I've just got a few points for you here today. i got under 15 of them, okay? So the Bible here says, and he said, a, Jesus here, speaking to his disciples, giving a parable, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Give me my inheritance. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the Bible says, that this younger son gathered all together. He packed up his bags, took his inheritance that his father gave him. And when he'd done these, this thing, he went on and took a far journey into a far country. And there, it says, he wasted his substance with riotous living, sinful living. He was just basically out of control. He had no restraints on him like most of us would be. You ever said to yourself, oh, I wish I was a millionaire? There's a good reason why you and I are not millionaires. Well, some of y'all may be. Let me back up. There's a reason I'm not a millionaire today. Okay? The reason I'm not a millionaire is because God knows I couldn't handle that. I ain't never had a million dollars. I've never had $10 million. I've never had a billion dollars. You put a billion dollars in my hand and people say, there's no way you can spend it, I'll show you. Amen? <laughs> I could spend a billion dollars, give me a week, and I'll be broke. I can assure you I know how to spend a billion dollars. You may say, I'll oh, pastor, but you don't know me. Ask my wife. I could spend it if you just put it in my bank account. Right? 
at the Lowe's. Absolutely. I would buy Lowe's. Amen? Favorite places in the world. I buy Lowe's, Publix, and Brewster's and Dairy Queen. And I'd grow broke because I'd eat up all and use up all of <laughs> the inventory. But he wasted it on sinful living. He'd never had that kind of money, so he didn't manage it well. When he had spent all of it, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. I saw a great picture that was sent to me today that really illustrates this. It said this, Life is like a credit card. You enjoy it now, but you pay for it later. Is that right? Amen? That's good stuff. It don't matter where you come from. Amen? It's like a credit card. You enjoy it now, but you pay for it later. This fellow enjoyed riotous living because he didn't, it wasn't his money, right? It was his, it was his daddy's money. I've learned long ago that if it's my money, I'm a little more careful with it, but if it's your money, it doesn't matter. Is that right? So he was the same way. Now he's beginning to pay for it. He used all of his money, and then there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Verse 15 said, He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine, to feed the pigs. He, he now became a hired servant. And it's much like you and I, you know, when we turn away from our Father, we become servants to the world. Is that right? We, we leave that which is wealthy and we go to that which is now poor. We see that as going to be wealthy, right? It's kind of like me when I was a kid. I kept saying to my dad and my mom, I can't wait till I get old and get out from underneath your roof and go do what I want to do. Is that right? That was the worst mistake I ever made in my life. I don't know what I was thinking. I went brain dead. Because after I got out of there and had to pay my own house payments and my own car payments and buy my own food and all that stuff nobody ever told me about, I was thinking, what was I thinking? So if you're in here and you, hadn't, you wasn't one of the kids that went back today, let me give you some good advice. Stay with mom and daddy as long as you can. Because living with mom and daddy is not as bad as you think it is. Having to get up and do the dishes one time a week or clean your room every now and then is nothing compared to dealing with the IRS. Is that right? The bank. Anybody else you got to deal with? All the bills you got to pay? Stay with mom and daddy. That's good advice. Stay there till you're 50, then get married. Okay? In verse 16 he said, And he would have feigned, he would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and, but nobody gave it to him. He would have even, eat, even eaten just the husks from the corn that they were feeding. Not even the corn, just the husks. This man was hungry, was he not? Now, he wasn't hungry, he was hangry. Look at him and say he was hangry. There's a difference between hungry and hangry. Amen? Just like there's a difference between naked and naked. I'm not... Just know there is. In verse 17, <laughs> I don't know. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? Here I am starving to death, and my dad in my father's house, there's plenty. Come on, somebody. In my father's house, there is plenty, but I'm over here starving to death. What am I doing? I am an heir and a joint heir to my father and that all my father has and I'm living beneath the blessings of my father because I wanted to go out and enjoy my own life. He was with his father and he had a good life. When he left his father, he wasted everything and now his good name that he had was no longer a good name. Now he had a flawed name. 
He was now not just known as the son of this man. He was known now as the son who wasted everything his daddy gave him. Right? He, he now carried with him that he was not a good steward. Right? You couldn't trust him with money. Right? You couldn't trust him with anything. He had, his name now was tarnished. He was flawed now, at least as the world would see it. In verse 18, he says to himself, I will rise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I've done wrong. I've made mistakes. I'm imperfect. I'm flawed. And am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of thy hired servants, he said. He was willing to just go back and at least he was with his dad. He knew at least with his dad he'd have something to eat. Even though he had to work for whatever he did, he, he was willing to, to take a step down to be with his father. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto the father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, the best calf, and kill it and let us eat and be merry. They had a barbecue. Amen? Amen. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And the Bible says they began to be merry. Amen? Amen. They began to be merry. This young man had life very, very, very good. But you know how we are. We're never satisfied with what we have. Is that right? The Bible teaches us to be content with the things that we have because God gives them to us. When we begin to get outside of our contentment, we begin to covet, which the Bible says is a sin. And when we begin to covet, we create other sins and commit other sins, right? Because now I want to go steal what you've got, right? Or I'm going to go do some things I shouldn't do. And so we've got to be content with it. He was not content. He wanted to reach out. He wanted a little bit more, right? He was not content with being under the umbrella of protection that his father provided for him. And so when he did, he became flawed. I want to talk to you today just about some things. When you think about being flawed, these are things that come to my mind. And again, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where, what your situation is and what may be in your mind and what's in your heart. But today I want to just point out a few things and hopefully it can help us a little bit today. Flaws, when you think about flaws, flaws have scars, do they not? They leave scars. Flaws, when you think about a flaw, you think about something that has, as we said about the Liberty Bell, right? It has a crack in it. It is no longer perfect. We now see it with a flaw. It has a scar. That scar remains. To you and I, as I said to you, the scar rep represents all the scars, the blood that was shed for all of us that we might have the freedom that we have. That scar has value to you and I. But they do leave scars. There's nothing you can do about it, right? We don't have the ability to forget. I can't tell you the number of people I've spoken to since I've been preaching God's Word that have come to me and they said, Mark, I can't get past my past. You ever said that? I just can't shake it. I can't get rid of it. No matter what I do, my past follows me. Is that right? People remind me of my past. It leaves a scar, does it not? And it seems like the more people mention it or the more that you think about it or the more that it comes up, the scar gets bigger, does it not? It just gets deeper. It gets bigger. It almost seems like it just opens back up again. You ever been there? That's what happens. When we, when we become imperfect, when we do things we shouldn't do, scars are there. That's what you see. 
I'm reminded of a of 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 uh, Noel when she was little. I don't guess you mind me telling you this, but I'll tell you anyway. I think I can not run her. I don't know. But when she was little, Noel, anytime she would scrape her knee or do anything, she was a little different than Nate. You know, when Nate got hurt, it was an emergency room visit. With Noel, it was usually just a scrape or a cut or a bite or something like that. So anytime she would do something like that, Christy would bring her in the house and. She would wipe it off with, you know how mamas do, wipe it off with either water or mama spit, whichever one. And then they would, then they would after they cleaned it up, you know, they'd put a little something on it. Everybody put something different, Neosporin. When I was a kid, it was that old red iodine stuff. I don't know what my mom was thinking. But, you know, you rub all that stuff on there, right, and then you put a Band-Aid on it. Is that right? Well, Noel was not even two years old, I don't think. We were having a dinner at the church I, was, I used to go to. We were downstairs, and her little tummy started hurting her. And she had a little dress on. And we didn't know it. We didn't know there was anything wrong. But she came over to a fellow named Brother, Brother Larry Jefferson was his name. And she walked over to Brother Larry Jefferson and he happened to notice she still had her dress up a little bit. And he noticed she had about three or four band-aids right here on her stomach. And he asked her, he said, Noel, what's wrong? Did you hurt yourself? She said, my tummy hurts. So Noel's thought process was when something hurts, you put a band-aid on it. Wasn't that sweet? Oh, she's sweet. That was your thought process, okay? And that's what we do, right? When we, when we, when we do something that hurts us, we put a Band-Aid on it, right? And if you, if you, would, if you would take away me today, uh, the, the spiritual side of me, and just looked at me for all of my flaws, you wouldn't be able to see me for all the Band-Aids because I made a bunch of mistakes. I got a whole bunch of scars, I can assure you. And there's a lot of scars in my life that God has taken, and we'll talk about it in a minute, and done something else with those scars. But... When we, are, when we do things, when we step outside God's plan, we're going to get hurt. Amen? You with me? If we're not following God's plan, we're going to get hurt. And it's going to leave some scars. And it's not going to be something that you can forget. In fact, God don't want you to forget it. Now, there's not too many people to tell you that. A lot of people say, well, no, God wants you to forget those things. Well, if that was the case, He would not give us the ability to remember. See, God has the ability to forget, but you and I don't have the ability to forget. He wanted us to be able to remember those things so we don't repeat them again. Amen? You with me? And also to remember that we always give Him praise and honor and glory because He took away the pain of that scar. Okay? But those scars will always be with us. That's just the way it is. But you have two choices. You can either let the scar hold you back, which creates more scars, or you can use that scar to propel you forward. Okay? This young man used his scar to prepare him forward. But make no mistake about it, they do leave scars. The answer to that question is, stay with Jesus. Stay under His umbrella. As much as we think we're smarter than Him, I can assure you we're not. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. If you've got six, eight, or ten of them, you've got to reinforce the wall because you've got so many degrees hanging on your wall. That does not make us smarter than God. Amen? Because He's the one that gave you the wisdom to get those degrees. You see what I'm saying? Think about it. How logical it is us is it for us to think to ourselves, God, you said not to commit adultery. But now, I'm smarter than that, and I think that really what that means is da-da-da-da. So we go out there and do that, and then everything goes south, and then we're questioning God as to why it happened. Is that right? What makes us think that we're smarter than the one that created us? He created us. 
What we're saying is the dirt is smarter than the Creator because we're all made out of dirt. And look, last time I checked, dirt has no vote. My dirt don't talk to me. If it does, I'm going to run. My dirt in my yard does not talk to me. It has never made me dinner. It has never stood up and gave me the answers to my problems. It's never, it's never provided the money I need to take care of my family. Dirt is just dirt. It lays there lifeless. It has no form. It's void. It's just dust particles. And when it rains, it shows you its true colors. It's just mud. And it makes a mess. Is that right? So what makes us think we're a mess, y'all? What makes us think that we know more than God? We don't. Right? So, again, let's stay under God's umbrella and let's don't get out there right where the wolves and all the bad things are. Let's stay right here and you won't have to worry about scars. Amen. Because scars do leave, or flaws do uh, leave scars. Flaws also leave us very vulnerable. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. That Liberty Bell, if you could put that back up there, Brother Danny, the Liberty Bell, I told you, if you look at it real close, there are two little inserts that they've placed in it. What they did was, is they scarred the Liberty Bell in order to stop the flaw. Alright? You with me? They had to scar that which was perfect in order to keep it from being any further imperfect. I'm fixing to go somewhere and y'all keep your seat. Can y'all see it? Y'all see them two little... There's one at the bottom and there's one at the top. The bottom one was put in there to try to stop it the first time and it went bypassed it. And they put the second one up there to keep it from going any further. Right? So they had to... It doesn't make sense to say... Well, the only way to stop it from cracking any further is to put a hole in it, right? So what we're doing is put another imperfection in something in order to keep it from going any further. We've got to scar it to keep it from, from cracking itself to the point that it, there's no return. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was bruised for our transgressions. Amen. Is that right? That's right? His stripes were given to Him that you and I might be healed. Amen. They had to take that which was perfect and it had to be scarred in order to keep what is here from being scarred any further? Amen. That's good. Come home, come That's on, church. Good. Is that right? You with me? Yeah, that's good. That's good. But, but because the reason he did it because we're vulnerable, we have already done wrong. We have sinned already, and so these flaws make us vulnerable to more flaws. Is that right? Because we've sinned, we're now more vulnerable to sin again. Bill Cosby said it best. We've all become brain dead. Is that right? Yeah. Let me explain that. You remember your children were little? And you told them, don't do that. And then they done it. And when you asked them, you say, why'd you do that? And what they say? I don't know. <laughs> brain dead. Is that right? You said, don't touch the oven eye because it will burn your hands. And they touch it. And it left what? Scars. Is that right? You with me? And the more times that we go outside the plan of God, we become more and more vulnerable. Because, you know, we, we done got outside the box. You know, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're, we, done been, we done been loosed. We're out there. We've tried some things. And you know what? It didn't kill me. It hurt me. But it didn't kill me. So what did we do? I'm going to go a little bit further. Is that right? And well, it didn't hurt me that time. Again, it, or it didn't kill me. It might have hurt me. But you know what? I'm still living. 
And I believe that's what a lot of Christians do. I've done that. I used to do it all the time. I'd hear a message in church and I knew better. And I'd go out and do something that God said don't do. I'd feel bad about it. But all week long, nothing happened to me. I'd come back to church the next Sunday. I thought, well, I did wrong. And I asked God to forgive me. I said, but it didn't kill me. So guess what? I'm going to go do some more. Is that right? And that's what we do. Okay? Sin is a flaw in our lives that leaves us vulnerable to do it again. If they hadn't put those pegs in there, then that thing was vulnerable to continue to split. Okay? If it hadn't have done nothing to it, there's a good chance that that bell wouldn't be around today. It would be in two pieces at least. Okay? It's left vulnerable. And that's what happens, as I said to you. We've got to guard against that, that we're not vulnerable to the things of this world. The only way to do that is to what? The book of Ephesians tells us in chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God. Is that right? That we are able to withstand the darts of the enemy, what he throws at us. Until we put on that which is perfect, until we put on the one that was scarred for us, put him on, we are left vulnerable by the attack of the enemy. Is that right? And we are subject to more flaws. That's the way it goes. Right? You ever said to somebody, I have made too many mistakes for God to forgive me. Right? I have too many flaws in my life for God to forgive me. That's not so. Amen? God specializes in flaws. He specializes in scars. He specializes in stopping scars from getting any bigger. But we've got to put on the whole armor of God. Amen? In order for that to take place. So, flaws certainly leave scars and they leave us vulnerable. Flaws <clears throat> tend to weaken as well, as I said to you. They weaken us. Here's what I want you to understand about the Liberty Bell while it's still there. That scar that's in that Liberty Bell rendered that bell weak. And now, it, now because of its flaws, it can't do what it was intended to do originally. Amen. When you and I sin against God, we are now rendering ourselves weak. And we're not able to do what God intended for us to do. You've heard us say many times, God has a plan for all of us, and He does. He has plans for us, He said, and those plans are to prosper us and to grow us. Is that right? They're not of evil. They're not, they're not, he has no design for flaws. None. But when we do things that are outside of God's plan, when we leave the Father and we get out on our own and we make those mistakes and we become flawed, we are weakened. This is why Satan attacks us so strongly. Because he knows the further we can, he can get us away from God and the more mistakes we can make, the weaker you and I become spiritually and we can't carry out our purpose. Is that right? That's why that thing's sitting there today. Right? It, they took it out from where it was supposed to be, they set it right there, and it has not rung since. Its purpose was not to just sit there and everybody look at it and go, oh, isn't that beautiful? Its purpose was to warn people of impending danger. Its purpose was to help protect. Its purpose was all those things we talked about earlier, to make proclamation. And isn't that what our purpose is? Proclaim the goodness of God. For what purpose? That they would be protected. Is that right? Yeah. You with me? That's our purpose. But all of us are little bells. 
And instead of ringing our bell for Christ, we've been rendered weak. And we're now just sitting silent. And buddy, if the church ain't been silent in the past 20, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, I don't know what is. Right. Amen? Satan's been real effective in causing a lot of flaws, which has caused the church or rendered the church's voice to be silent. Is that right? Amen, somebody. That's good whether you believe it or not. Amen? We've been rendered weak, at least as the world sees it. Amen? But God said that the gates of hell won't prevail against His church. Is that what He said? And although our voice may be weak now, there's coming a day when the bell is going to ring again. I can assure you of that. And it's going to ring throughout all the world. And changes will happen. Amen? And independence and freedom will once again rule and ring throughout this great land. Amen? Spiritually speaking. Amen? Deliverance will come. It will come. As Brother Damien said last night, help's on the way. Amen? It's on the way. It's closer now than it's ever been. You hear what I'm saying? God is soon to do what He does and what He's going to do. Okay? And we will have deliverance very, very soon. Very, very soon. So these flaws leave scars. They leave us vulnerable. They render us weak. But flaws, when viewed properly, strengthen and empower us. Okay? When they are used and viewed properly, they strengthen us. And now they become a blessing and a testimony. See, remember what I told you earlier? God sees flaws as opportunity. He don't see it as weakness. He does not see it as, a, as anything that should stop you and I. Yes, He's not pleased with it. Yes, He don't want to see that. He don't want you and I to make mistakes. But just because we make mistakes does not mean, as my mama said, you don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Is that right? Just because you made a mistake does not mean that God gets rid of you. Remember the story of the prodigal son. The son did wrong. The father knew about it. You think that nobody told him about his son? I guarantee you he knew about his son. He knew where his son was. He probably heard, got word back, right? This was a prominent man in this town. I'm sure he knew about his son. But just like God, he could force us to do anything. This man could have saddled up a bunch of his men, said, go out there and grab that boy, bring him back home. I'm going to tan his hide. He's going to get himself straight today. Is that right? He could have done that. God could have done that too with you and I. But he would rather us realize our faults and realize that he's God and come back to him. Right? The same protection that He once gave us, He'll give it to you again. That's the God that you and I serve. He is gracious and He is merciful. And He'll turn your flaws that the world sees as weakness, that the world sees as all the things we talked about, as ugly, all that stuff, and He'll turn them into something beautiful. And He'll use it for His glory and for His honor. Case in point. Amen. I even look like a bell. Amen. Somebody. <laughs> He'll do that for you. He'll do that for me. He'll do it for everybody. But you got to wake up and understand that we need our Father again. Amen? He'll turn that which is ugly and make something beautiful out of it. And He'll use you to once again sound His Word. Amen? He'll restore you back to your rightful place. Your scar is going to be there, but it'll be used as a testimony now. Just like that scar right there. When it first happened, there was panic. And they were like, oh my gosh. 
It's no good. Let's get rid of it. Somebody thought about the fact, no, 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 hold on to it. Right? It's got value. You still have value to God. Amen? If you're here today and you've made some mistakes, you've done some things you know you shouldn't do, and you hadn't asked God to forgive you again, let me tell you something. you still got value. God's not done with you yet. He's still got a plan for you. When you sin that first time, second time, tenth time, a thousand times, however many times you sinned, God didn't erase your name out of that plan. He still got it there. He still got it there. In fact, I think He just moved your name up to the top of the list. Is that right? He doesn't erase it just because you make a mistake. Praise God. Amen? That's grace. That's grace. Somebody said, what is grace? That's grace. God don't just throw us away when we make a mistake. You better be glad I ain't God. Christian, tell you, in my house, if something is not the way I think it should be, it's out. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I want him hardly eat it. This is going to be hard for y'all to understand. I know you're going to think he lied and he needs to repent as much as I eat. If I got a can in my cupboard and it's beat all up, mashed all up, this old boy ain't eating that. Because I don't know what, in my mind, it has tainted whatever's in the, in, the, in the can. I know it hasn't, but that's just me. Okay? If I smell milk and it, it smells a little, it could just be me. Because I've smelled it before. I said, you smell it. They said, it smells good to me. Go ahead and use it. I said, uh No. No. The whole gallon's gone. I just bought it yesterday. That's all right. I just threw it away today. <laughs> I'm telling you, I just ain't going to do it. Right? And if I got something and it goes wrong, it's gone. I'm going to replace it. I can't stand it. Okay? So you, but God's not like Mark. He don't just throw us away. See, here's a good thing about God. He's smarter than me. So when something gets a flaw, He designed it so He's the one that knows how to make it back like it should have been. Is that right? Only God can put His hands on it and make it now what it used to be. And even better. Amen? Even better. You ever heard somebody say, I have battle scars? Right? I have battle scars. I used to look at my granddaddy. My granddaddy was a retired gunny sergeant from the Marine Corps. He served in Vietnam and in Korea, and he was wounded. He had a real bad head wound. Had a metal plate. That's before they had all this stuff you got today. Had a metal plate in his head where it crushed his skull. And I used to look at my granddaddy every day. I scared death of him as I was a bear because he was a Marine. You hear me? He was a Marine's Marine. He was tall, skinny guy. You know how the Marines get them checkerboards on the back of their neck? You know what I'm talking about? From holding his neck up so bad. He was a man now. And when he talked to you, he was a man of few words. And when he spoke, you just went, mm-hmm. And you didn't move, right? He was one of those guys, but he loved us. But I used to, I used to admire my granddaddy because... I saw some of the scars. And as I got older, I've always been a history buff, and as I got older, I respected my granddaddy more and more because I know that he went and gave his life or laid his life down for me and for all of you in this building, just as all of your relatives have as well. So I didn't see his scars as ugly. I saw his scars, and he was my hero when I was a little boy. I wanted to be like my granddaddy. When he put on his dress blues after he retired, he was still so fit he could wear his dress blues. 30 years later, he had, a, he had a bar of things, they called it cabbage. It went from here down to here. And he had stripes up his arm. I mean, he was, he was high and tight. He was ready. And uh, I was always proud of him. But his scars, he wore them well. Now, they bothered him. He had a hard time with his scars. He, he, he was not proud of what he had to do. 
but he'd done it for the sake of somebody else. Amen? You think God was happy by giving his son for you and I? If there would have been a better way, Jesus asked him, is there not a better way? But he said, nevertheless, your will, Father. And God was proud of the scars that's on his son today because he laid his life down for somebody else. Amen? He was flawed that our flaws would be covered. Amen? That's good stuff. That's the God that you and I serve. And so he specializes in removing scars. He was the first plastic surgeon there ever was. Amen? And when God does it, there's no pain involved. You've already suffered enough. But God's going to remove your scars and He'll turn it into something beautiful, spiritually speaking. I want to give you an illustration before I close with this closing passage in Isaiah 53 and 5. I quoted a little bit of it. But let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. The first one you see here is a vase that most everybody's looking for. As I said to you, if Mark's going to a pottery store and I'm looking to buy my wife a vase, vase, depending on where you're at. If I'm looking to buy one of those, I would be looking for something like that, meaning it has no flaws. It has been made, it has been, it has been cast, it has been, everything's been done to it, and there's no flaws in it. That's what we're all looking for, right? Uh, let's use the Beanie Weenies again. Two cans of Beanie Weenies on the shelf. Both of them cost fifty, well, dollar nine today. <laughs> on the shelf, one of them is all beat up. One's not. Which one are you gonna buy? Same price, same brand. What you gonna buy? If you say anything otherwise, y'all lying. Okay, that's the one we're looking for, right? That's the one the world views as valuable. That would have a price tag on it much more so than this one I'm about to show you. Wouldn't you agree? That one's going to be on the reduced shelf. Might even be in the trash can when you go by because it has been flawed. It didn't do quite right. Wouldn't you agree? Something went wrong somewhere in that thing. And it's no longer, it can't do what you want it to do. You put water in that for your flowers, your flowers are going to die pretty quick, aren't they not? Because the water's going to run out. So it doesn't really have a lot of value to it, right? It's just there. Okay? But here's the key. If you take that same vase and you set a light in it, the, the, the good vase, let's say the good vase, you set a light in the good vase and turn it on and this is what you see. What the world sees as valuable, God don't see as valuable. As the world's seen the prodigal son, God didn't see him that way. His father didn't see him that way. The, the world saw the prodigal son as that. Having no value whatsoever. He has no money. He can't be trusted with money. Right? He's just out of control. Get away from that guy. You'd be telling your daughters, don't marry that loser right there. Is that right? He ain't got no money. He ain't got a job. He can't do nothing for you. Okay? He's just awful. Don't marry him. So that's how the world sees, right, those things. That, that, has, that has no value to God. If you place light in it, it has no value. It does nothing for you. On the other hand, if you take light and you slide it down in that cracked vase, what does it do? I would venture to say to you today, if you were to place the vase or the vase that's sitting there as perfect as the world sees it 
and then set a light in it and put that one beside it, I would venture to say a lot of people are going to want that one right there. Because now it has beauty. But what makes it beautiful is the light that's inside it. And all your scars, listen to me church, if you didn't have scars, God couldn't get the light out of you. Amen? You with me? You with what I'm telling you? That's the beauty of the God that we serve. He understands we're flawed. He understands we got cracks in us. I've told y'all before, Nathan told Granny she was old one time. And Granny said, how do you know I'm old? He said, because you got cracks in your forehead. <laughs> he did. <coughs> but look, we've got flaws, but God, when you place Jesus in it, He takes what is ugly and with no value and turns it into something beautiful that now has value. Amen? Amen? So you may be flawed here today and you may have some issues in your life, but God specializes in that. Amen? Amen? Thank you, God. He specializes in that. That's what His Son came to do, to light up the world. To light up the world. Who is the world? You are. The Bible says that He, for the joy that was set before Him, speaking of Jesus, He died on that cross. You're the joy. You are His world. And I know that's hard to believe. What do you mean, Mark, that I'm, I can't be God's world? I and mean, He's God. Yes, you are. The Bible says you are the apple of His eye. We are His crown creation. He gave His life for us. So He wants to place the light in the world, in you and I. And then He tells us, now you take those flaws, sons and daughters, and don't you be ashamed of who you are in me. He said, you just take those flaws with me in it. And He said, you let people see you. Most people with flaws try to, well, they used to. Most people with flaws try to hide their flaws, right? Because we're ashamed of them. We're ashamed of our scars. You'll see people wear long sleeve shirts because when they cut themselves, they don't want nobody to see it. Is that right? You used to see people do all kinds of things like that because they were ashamed of their scars. Today, even women, you know, they used to cut women when you had a, a C section. Man, they made an awful cut. Like, you know what I'm talking about? My mother had one. It's an awful looking thing. Now they try to hide it. They get it down in your little bikini cut, they call it. For me, it would be below my fat level. Right? And so that just covers it up, right? We're trying more and more today to cover up our scars. But look, God wants you and I to let them out there. Because it reminds people we're not perfect. We just serve a perfect God. Okay? I wish somebody would have told me years ago, Mark... Not everybody in the church are saints of God. And if they are, they're just saints who fell down and get back up. Is that right? That's all you are. We're all just flawed people who have fallen many times, but we continue to get back up. That's what saints are. There's no big eyes in little using God's plan. If you read the rest of this story, that's how his father saw it. He, made, he put him back in right standing with his other brother who never did nothing wrong. And isn't that what God did for you and I? When, he, when you and I gave our heart to Him and He restored us, He put us right back in our rightful place as heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Jesus never done nothing wrong. He, it'd be easy for you to say, wait, wait, wait a minute now, Father. What do you mean they're heirs and joint heirs? The Bible tells us we're heirs and joint heirs with Him. Right? What do you mean? They were, look at what all they've done wrong. I never did nothing wrong. What do you mean? You're going to put them at the same place at the table as me? Yes. God sees you and I as not flawed. He sees you as His children that He loves. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 
that made a mistake but, but realized and came back to Him Amen. and asked for forgiveness and He forgives us. So if you're flawed here today, don't worry about it. Panic. Just turn back to the Father. Amen. He'll take you back. I assure you of that. Don't let anybody in the world tell you you've done too much for God to forgive you. That's not so. He's waiting on you. That father, the Bible says, when that dude turned the corner and started up that road, who was standing there waiting on him? What does it tell you? It tells you the father was out there every day looking for his son to come home. God's been standing there ever since you left him waiting on you to come home. He didn't go on vacation. He didn't leave. He didn't put somebody else out there. He didn't say, I'm done with him. He stands out there every day waiting on you to come back down that same road you left on. Okay? How do you find Jesus? Turn around and go right back up the same road you walked out on. He'll be there when you get to the end of it. I promise you. Okay? Let me read something to you here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And this is Isaiah chapter 53 and 5. I quoted a little bit of it to you. But He was wounded, speaking of Jesus, for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, our sins. The chastisement of the world, or chastisement rather of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes... The Bible says, you and I are healed. Because of Jesus, we are healed. I'm a, a better translation, or another translation of that would be, we are restored. Healed means, by His stripes we're healed physically, but by His stripes we're healed spiritually. Amen? We once were lost, but we're, we're now what? Found. We once were blind, but now we what? See. Is that right? Healed. Physically and spiritually, because of Jesus. Okay? Scarred the perfect sacrifice for that which is imperfect. That its imperfections would not continue and cause imminent end. Amen. You with me? I want to pray with you here today. I thank you for being here. I thank you for coming. It's an honor to have you in the house of the Lord i got to believe, just like myself, many, many times I came to church and felt unworthy. Came to church and felt like my sins and my flaws were too great. And I found myself saying to myself a lot of times, there's no point in going. There's no need in going. Mark, you have turned back to God so many times and you've walked away from God so many times. There's no way He's going to hear you again and forgive you of your sins. And that's exactly what Satan wanted me to hear and that's exactly what he was telling me and that's exactly what I was believing. But I'm thankful to God every day that some point in there I came to my senses and said I got to do something. I can't continue on the path that I'm going and my only hope is God. My only hope is my Father. My only hope is Jesus. So I turned back to Him and you know what He done? He forgave me. And I've done my best from that day forward not to walk away from Him again. Have I made mistakes since then? Absolutely. Have I gained a few more scars? I sure have, unfortunately, and I'm sad to say. But my God has forgiven me. And I try my best not to, make, not to make those same mistakes again. See, I was once told if you make a mistake one time, you do something wrong one time, it was a mistake. If you do it more than one time, it becomes a habit. Amen? Jesus said, come back to me. And then He always tells them, go and sin no more. Don't do that again. We're flawed people. but We serve a loving God and a, and a pure God. I'm going to give you just a moment before they start singing because I want you to be able to hear me. I said this many, many times. I'm going to say it one more time for those of you who have never heard me speak, preach. The world tells us, and even some churches tell you, that there's 
another way. That there's another plan. That there's a plan B. Right? That there two roads diverge. Right? That which one are you going to choose? But with God, God don't, God don't make two roads for us. He does not have, He did not create a road that leads to destruction and, and sin and all the bad things that we think about. God did not create that because the Bible said He is good. Okay? He's good. That's why Jeremiah 29 11 said, I know the plan, the plan that He had. Those plan, that plan, those plans is a plan. That plan is His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way that God... He only created one road for you and I. There's not two roads. And there's also not another route that we can take that leads to God. There's only one. And it's a straight gate. It's a narrow gate. That road is through Christ. It's the only way to go. So if you're looking for another way to get there, there's not one. You just got to turn around, as I said to you, and walk right back up the same road you left on. And He'll be there. Okay, that's, that's it. God has one plan for us. And that's to turn back to Him. He understood. A road goes two ways, does it not? He understood that. So if you want to say anything, you can say, well, God created that road, right, which goes both ways. It leads away from God, but it also leads to God. He understood that we were going to try to get away from Him. But that's why He said He has plans, because He only wants us to turn around and come back on the same one we walked off on. I've often heard of people say too, you know, God, God creates uh, off-ramps and on-ramps. Uh-uh. There's no off-ramps and on-ramps on God's plan. Just turn around and come back down the same one. You can't find an alternate route. It's the same one. Turn back to Him. I want to pray with you here today. And if you're here and, and you feel like you're flawed to the point that there's no hope, I assure you there is. And I'd love to introduce you to the hope named Jesus Christ. There's hope. If you're here and you feel that way, why don't you take a moment and just step up here and come on. Don't worry about anybody around you. That's just the enemy. That's all. Because all of us have had to do the same thing. All of us were the prodigal son. All of us walked away from God and the only way back was to Him. If you got flaws in your life and you're a child of God, maybe you've given your heart to the Lord, but you find yourself drifting a little bit. You've got a few scars. Now would be a good time. Just come back to Him and talk to Him. He'll forgive those sins and He'll set your feet back on the right path. So this is a good opportunity. We want to give you just a second. Is anybody in the building we want to come and ask God to take care of the flaws anybody amen